Sister? Salama? Yeah? Okay. Um, you know, one thing I like about Mino and, and the worship team, and even with his dad, you know, leading worship, uh, they lead worship the same way, whether there's so many people or there's two or three, they praise with the same intensity. So thank you for thank you for doing that. I want to take you to the second book of Kings, chapter 5, and I want to read a chapter, a very, very powerful chapter that I believe teaches us lessons for living and for faith. And hopefully I encourage you to, you know, read this chapter several times if you have the opportunity uh, during the week. Uh, but this is the story of a man who had a very, very difficult situation in his life. Uh, he had a lot of resources, he had a lot of status, but at the same time, there was something that he couldn't change, and only the power of God could change. So, uh, we're going to do a little bit of reading, but I promise you it will still be 20 minutes. I usually don't go over, you know, two hours, as you know. So, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master will see the prophet who is in Samaria, he will cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel, so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I gone? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me someone to me uh, to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick up a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard what the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this, uh, this message to him. Why have you torn your robes? Have the name come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his uh, horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Arna, Avna, and Fafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, 
if the prophet had told you to do something great, some, some great things, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the men of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we come before you and we read, Lord, the scripture, we thank you, Lord God, for stories like this where we can see, Lord God, a lot of uh, life lessons and biblical lessons for our lives and, and leadership and in our families and our relationship with you. Uh, we pray that you speak to us, Lord God, and that we uh, meditate in this chapter, Lord, during the week. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So, as we read, you know, in the story, Naaman is a great man. He's actually the commander of what we could say maybe a country. He would go into wars, invade towns, and also some parts of Israel. And he would have so many victories because the Bible says that through him, uh, God had given his king a lot of victories. Probably because God was dealing with Israel at that time. Israel was walking away from God, so God was using uh, this people to, to kind of pressure Israel in a way so that they would come back to the Lord. So Naaman was a, was a great man. He was a warrior. He was a, probably a man that everybody was afraid of, and he was a famous guy. He had status, and above all, he had the respect of the king, but Naaman had a big problem in his life. He had leprosy, and because of his leprosy, he probably was a warrior that when he would go to war, he would probably cover, I don't know, maybe his face. As some of you have seen, you know, pictures maybe on, on the internet or you've heard, you know, biblical stories of people who had leprosy. It was, there was a big, big stigma at the time for people who had this illness. People who walk away from them. Uh, especially, you know, the, the Israelites, you know, they would think of people who had leprosy as people who were sinful and who needed to be taken out of the town, be put in a place. They couldn't come, you know, to town to, to get food. It was, it was really hard. So, um, and God somehow worked this situation where some raiders from this country invaded Israel and took a young girl captive, and this girl somehow, we don't know how she was, how old she was, maybe between 10, 15 years old, and somehow she ended up working for the wife of Naaman. And uh, we can see in this chapter that this girl, even though she's very young, she has a strong faith, and she has compassion for her master. Because uh, verse, uh, verse three, uh, this girl says to her mistress, if only my master will see the prophet who is in Samaria, he will cure him of his leprosy. So the faith of this girl, even though she was very young, it was a faith that she would communicate, you know, with people. A lot of times, and I think this is one of the lessons, you know, that, that we can learn, you know, from, from this young girl in the chapter, is that sometimes, we may not have, you know, like a big status. We not we we may not be like in a very strong position, 
but just the fact that we have faith in God and we communicate it with people, sometimes we have no idea how much of an impact your faith can have in the life of someone that later on can believe in God because of something that you said or something that you did. So the story continues that you know this girl communicates in you know, her faith. This girl you know, tells you know Naaman's wife and says, "Hey, um, I know a prophet. I know a prophet who cures people. And if my master will go to him, I'm very sure, 100% that that he will be healed." So Naaman hears the story. He goes to the king, and then in verse number four, he says that Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And the king said, by all means, go. The king of Arab replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel so that he can hear you. Now, if you read the story, it was not the king of Israel, the one who was going to heal. It was the prophet who had the presence of God and he had the power to the Holy Spirit to heal. So this king writes a letter and he sends the letter to the king of Israel and when he sends the letter, also in verse 5, when Naaman is going, uh, the Bible says that Naaman was bringing uh, with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Now, I've heard some theologians uh, trying to do the math, and some people say that um, as of today, uh, Naaman was probably carrying about $4 million to the king of Israel and the letter so that he would be healed. In verse 6, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I heal and bring back to life? So uh, if, if we place ourselves you know, in the picture of this king, uh, he's having a war with a, neighbor, uh, a neighboring country. And all of a sudden, the president of that country sends him a letter, and the commander-in-chief of that country, well, not the commander-in-chief, but the commander of the armies, sending him with a lot of money, a lot of materials, and a letter telling him, I am sending you, my commander, so please, king of Israel, kill him. So, of course, you know, the king of Israel didn't take it, you know, lightly. He was like, oh no, this is a trap. This is totally a trap. He wants to, he wants to, you know, literally just declare war on me. This is a setup. Um, and the king of Israel, you know, started to get worried about it. And all of a sudden, you know, Elisha heard, you know, what was happening. And Elisha told the king, send Naaman with me. So, so this is what I what I want to share with you in verse nine. So Naaman went with his bro, uh, with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him: Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, <clears throat> and you will be cleansed. Now, lesson lesson number one. God does not work in the way I expect him to work. God has his own ways 
of providing. He has his own ways of making a way in our lives. And all he wants is for us to believe in him. But the provision, the miracle, may not come from the sources of the people or your friends or the people that you expect. It's going to come maybe from the least expected source. God doesn't work in the way we think God works. So this man, he goes to Elisha and the prophet, look what the verse says in verse 11, but Naaman, oh, never mind, verse 10, uh, Elisha sent a messenger. So Elisha did not even go out and open the door and said, oh, you're the great commander of, of that country. Oh, man, so good to meet you. This is a pleasure coming in. Uh, you know, there's coffee, tea over here. And, well, uh, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. The prophet doesn't even see him. The prophet sends a messenger to tell Naaman, tell him to go and wash himself in the Jordan River seven times. And that's it. And how many times, you know, we expect God to work in a certain way. And when we don't see God working in our lives in a certain way that in our mind we think God should be doing, we get so surprised. We get so, okay, Lord, what is happening? I thought you were supposed to do it this way. I thought things were supposed to go, you know, this way. I've been praying. And look at verse 11. But Naaman, the Bible says, went away angry. He was really, really angry. Because, you know, he was a very important person. This guy was famous. This guy was a warrior. This guy, you know, he had, I mean, he had a lot of power, you know, with the army. And this is what I want to share with you in verse 11. That many times, if we don't give our ego to God, Sometimes we may lose blessings that the Lord has available for us. Naaman, the Bible says, he left angry because he had this expectation, I am coming to the guy who is going to cure me. I'm going to come back home clean. Uh, I will be like a normal person. My life will be new. But just because he had that faith, he also had a little bit of pride in his life. So he wanted to receive the miracle, but he was not willing to do what it took so that the miracle could be done in his life. Remember uh, what I mentioned uh, several times you know, in my messages is that... Um, God cares more about what happens in us than what happens to us. Jesus said, do not be afraid of the one who can heal, of anyone who can heal the body. Be afraid of the one who can heal the soul. And when God is working with us in the trials that we go through, His purpose is not only to heal you and provide for you, His purpose is also to change you. Because you are in this process. And Naaman, of course, I know he was an important guy. You know, if, if you see a, a great general, 
uh, you know, from the United States, you know, if, if we see somebody, you know, from the Secret Service come here and, and or a Navy SEAL, you know, that is famous, you know, we'll, we'll probably honor that person and be like, wow, you know, thank you for coming to our church, what a miracle. So Naaman was very important, but he was about to lose the greatest blessing of his life because his ego was ahead of him. He had faith. He knew the prophet could heal him, but his ego was on the way of that blessing. Uh, as we continue reading, uh, verse 11 says that, you know, he got angry. And this is what he says, I thought that he would surely come up to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. So he had an expectation, right? Uh, based on the faith that he had, he had an expectation that God was going to do or cure him in a certain way when God wanted to do something else first. God wanted to deal with his ego first so that he could do the miracle in his life and he could appreciate it. I wonder, you know, as, as I think about myself and in my own life, how many times have I lost blessings because my pride has been on the way of getting that blessing? And I can tell you personally, uh, God has had to deal with me many times in that way. One of those times uh, was, you know, several years ago when, when I was studying at Fuller Seminary. The only job that I could have was a cleaning job. And then, you know, I would get up at 3.30 in the morning from Monday to Friday. Me and Nino would go to prayer first, because Nino, you know, we work in the same place. Four o'clock in the morning, under the rain sometimes, across the campus of Fuller Seminary, to go pick up trash, empty, you know, the trash cans, and clean, you know, the, the restrooms. And let me tell you, when you clean restrooms, some people have not mercy on the people who clean the restrooms. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is not possible. Oh, holy Lord. And, and you know, I mean, it's a long story. But you know what? God had to deal with me because I used to say, hear this. This is why it was really big for me. Because in my life, I never thought that I would even finish high school. I pray and beg people for money so that I would pay and finish my high school. So when I went to college and I graduated, you know, with a BA, you know, a bachelor's of arts, you know, in biblical and theological studies, and, you know, I was like so proud of myself, and, and here I come down, you know, to Los Angeles, and hey, have a BA, you know, like, like I was so proud of me, and people, like, nobody cared, like, oh, cool, so, and, you know, I do, I have a BA, I have a bachelor of arts, you know, and, and I thought I was so important. So I worked cleaning, you know, for two years. And during those two years, you know, when I was washing toilets on my knees, I was like, Lord, I, I have a bachelor's degree, Lord. What am I doing here? I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Guess what happened? They offered me a position in a church as a pastor. And they said, okay, we want you to start a Spanish-speaking church. And I said, okay, great. And the church is going to pay you, but this is how it's going to work. I had already finished my cleaning job at Fuller, 
So I go to this church and they say, yeah, we're going to give you a chance to start a Spanish church, but this is how we're going to pay you. You are going to be the main janitor of the church. We're going to pay you through that and we'll give you a chance for you to start a Spanish church. I was so disappointed. I was like, why do the cleaning jobs you know, keep chasing me? You know? Lord, I already started my master's, so I'm important. What's going on? And it wasn't until I realized that I have to give every ounce of pride in my life so that God will open more doors and bless me. That's me. That's my story. So as we keep reading, uh, so verse 11, you know, he's, he's very upset. You know, he's very mad. And he's expecting... He thinks that Elisha is going to come from his house and say, you know, you guys know Elisha, you know, he was very dramatic, you know, when he did miracles. So he thought that maybe he was going to be in the mighty name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and touch his body and, and something cool, you know. And I mean, the Bible doesn't say it, but I can imagine Naaman during his trip to Elisha's home saying, guys, you know, I wonder how he's going to do it. I wonder how he's going to perform the miracle. I mean, this guy, I heard that, you know, I mean, fire has come down from heaven. And, and I mean, and, and he had these expectations. And when the prophet says, go wash yourself in the Jordan River, he's like, seriously? Like, Naaman, right here, bro? Come on. So verse 12, he says, are not Abana and Farquhar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off. Look at this. A second time in a rage. He was really, really angry. Um, can you imagine? He was a soldier, a warrior. Like this is like if you see a police officer who is angry, like. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't want to say that much, but I mean, he was a warrior. He, he must have been very expressive in his anger. Uh, what he didn't understand is that God wanted to do something in his life first. Because the healing of the heart was more important for God than the healing of his body. So he goes, you know, in a rage, really mad. And verse 13, you know, this is, this is great. Because Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? <clears throat> this is a, a second principle I want to share with you today. As we read uh, the story, we realize that if it wasn't for these people, the servants who came to Naaman and encouraged Naaman, Naaman, if he would have asked you to do something else, uh, we're pretty sure you would have done it. So why not just go in, go to the river? What do you have to do? And verse 14 says, So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the men of God had told him, as his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young Boy. There's two great principles here 
the second one is Naaman received his miracle because he allowed other people to speak into his life. And this is what I want to tell you. This is why we need mentors in our life. We need coaches in our life. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much you know or how many PhDs you have. You need mentors in your life because you and I are not perfect. We need people who can speak into our life so that we can see our life from a different perspective and, and, and think, am I doing the right thing? I need some perspective, you know, from someone else, someone that you respect. And what it amazes me, you know, the most that this came, you know, from, from people that were under him, people that were humble, people that he didn't expect. Allowing people to speak into your life, you have no idea how much of an impact that can have in your life. When, when I was 17 years old, I was so desperate, really, really desperate because I was in a little town where people would make a dollar you know, per hour and I never thought, you know, I would, I would do something in life. So there were not nobody, there was nobody, you know, giving words of encouragement. So I had the word mentor, and and I read a little bit about it. So I looked for a friend of mine, and I told her, um, can you mentor me? And she didn't know what it was either. So she said, sure. What's that? And, and I told her, uh, I think it's like counseling. Like, I asked you a question and, and you give me like your perspective. And she said, oh yeah, sure, 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 I can do that. So I told her, I'm very sad because I'm poor. Uh, my dad doesn't have money. Sometimes, you know, we beans the whole week. So I don't see how God can bless me. Uh, so what I wanna do is, I wanna move to a large church where there's a lot of money and then talk to the pastors to see if they can help me. And I remember her saying, when God brings the blessing into your life, no matter where you are, in what condition you are, if it comes from the Lord, the Lord will make a way. Stay where you are. And you know what? I stay where I was. And at the place where I stay, God brought that blessing into my life. But if it hadn't been for this friend of mine who spoke into my life, about my plans, I wouldn't have done it. So please make it a priority in 2020. Look for a mentor. Write it down. Look for a mentor. You have no idea how important this is. And this is how you approach someone. So of course you don't go, oh, do you want to be my mentor? No. You, you set up time limits. You say, you know, for example, if, if you, let's say, uh, you want Nino to be your mentor and say, hey Nino, uh, I really admire the way, the way you praise God. And I was wondering if you could mentor me for three months. I want to grow, you know, in, in how I express my worship to God. And it'll be just an hour. I'll, I'll get you coffee and for three months. And Nino will probably say, okay, sure. But you need people who can speak into your life. 
the last point I want to make. So the first one was that God may not work in the way that we expect. The second one is that we uh, have to be careful with our ego. The third one is that we allow people to speak into our lives. And the last point that I want to make uh, in verse 14, so when he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him in his flesh, was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God, and he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. Does your faith encourage you to take action in your life? Remember faith and actions? Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this miracle. It's the life of a man who was not a believer. A man who heard about your power through the life of a young girl who had been taken captive. Many times, Lord, we underestimate the power of the gospel when we share it with people. But this young girl, she knew who you were. She knew your power and she knew you could do it and she directed Naaman to the prophet. Lord, uh, we all love you in this church. We want to do our best. You want to bless us. You want to use us. And we pray that you continue to work that process in our lives and that we also understand that you want to change us in the inside first before giving us something in the outside. You care about our life, our character. Lord, I also pray today uh, with the expectations that we have sometimes. We think that you are going to act in a certain way uh, because of um, maybe the, the expectations that we have, the way we see things. Lord, but help us be open to, to you, to your power, your creativity. You can provide your God from, from the place that we don't expect. I also pray your God for our faith and our actions. I pray your God that, That we can go to that river and say, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I pray also, Lord God, for each one of us that we understand uh, the importance of having a mentor who can speak truth in our life. 
no matter how old we are or how prosperous or humble, we need other people to speak into our life. Just like Jethro spoke to Moses and like Paul spoke to Timothy. Help us, our God, and bring those people into our lives. We praise you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite Pastor Henry to come forward. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your attention and your patience. Thank you, Pastor Franklin. This is the uh, first of the month.